0: worshiping congregation at Marion Methodist. Um, uh, those of you that come frequently, our director of youth and technology that's usually here at Kelsey Derousse is uh, away celebrating a family uh, wedding. So we're grateful she's able to do that. And we just actually saw on uh, social media that she's worshiping at Cityscape, which is uh, where my son-in-law preaches in Des Moines. So we're happy that they're there uh, this morning. As uh, Simon said... Um, We lean into certain scriptures and we are a Bible believing church. We lean into the word of God and this morning uh, the teaching is going to come from a number of scriptures but we're going to bore in in this time on Malachi uh, 3 6 through 12. So I was at a workshop a few weeks ago mostly with millennials and when the Bible teacher got up he said all right everybody turn on their Bibles. So people got their iPads and their iPhones out, and uh, some people got the written word that's in the pew. So I'm going to ask you to turn to those Bibles. Grab them. They're in the in the pew in, in the seat in front of you or maybe the one behind you. Or turn on your cell phone to uh, Malachi 3. Uh, we'll be reading 6 through 12. I'm going to give you a minute to turn there. I'm unequipped with the pages, but Malachi is the book right before Matthew. It's the last book of the Old Testament. So uh, let me ask, if uh, if you're there yet, say yes. If you need a minute, say, hold on. (laughs) All right. Clear enough. 823. All right. Page 823. Thank you. Not in my Bible, but in your Bible because I have to have a big print Bible. So it's much higher page number. Are you there yet? Say yes. Yes. Hold on. Say, hold on. All right. Just one more second. As you're turning to Malachi 3. We're going to read verses 6 through 12. I'm going to ask you to add your voices to my voice on the odd-numbered verses. Uh, So I'll begin begin reading on verse 6, and then uh, if you would, uh, join me on verse 7, reading aloud. The Lord, I the Lord do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me. And I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. Test me on this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. And pour out so much blessing that there will be not enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. And all the nations will call you blessed. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord God Almighty. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us give thanks to God. I ask you, you know, when you woke up this morning... Uh, I was grateful. I'm grateful to know that you thought, I'm going to church. But I don't know how many of you knew Simon was going to preach, and some of you probably did, and you probably prayed for him. Others of you said, well, I didn't know until I sat down or until you just said it, Pastor Mike. So it's appropriate now, if you haven't already, to take a minute and let's pray for your morning preacher. Would you join your heart with mine? Let us pray. Oh, God, this morning we come as your people. And sometimes we forget. We forget that we're your people, Lord. And we forget that you tell us you're the God that can move mountains. And if it's your will and we say in faith to move this mountain from here to there, you do so you, you are the Lord that split open the Red Sea and let the Israelites walk through. You're the one that shut the mouths of the lions and the lion den so Daniel could walk out. You're the one that set the flames in such a way that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not even smell like smoke when they came out of the fiery furnace. You're the one who allowed Elijah to raise the child from the dead you're the one that allowed Paul to raise, Peter to raise one from the dead you're the one that gave Bartimaeus sight and yet sometimes we wonder how will this mountain be moved in our lives and you say to us quit staring at the mountain Quit staring at the mountain of your finances or your personal problems or your interpersonal problems or whatever it is. Quit staring at that mountain and look at the one that stands right behind the mountain that can say to that mountain, move from here to there, for it is I, says Jesus. So, dear God, we're sorry for forgetting that we're your your people. We're sorry, Lord, that we sometimes don't look to you and we look at our own resources and we say, oh, gosh, we don't have enough. We think of the scarcity of what we have, and we forget to see the abundance that you've given us. So, Lord God, as Simon comes forward to preach this morning, we know that you have given him the abundance of your Holy Spirit. We know that you have given him a bright mind, a great intellect, and a desire to teach us what we need to hear today, God. You're the God that moves mountains. You're the God that changes hearts. You're the God that lets us see what we need to see. So, Lord God, you're the one we pray. We'll move Simon to be who you want him to be this morning. In your holy name we pray. Amen.
1: This time everybody knows what we're talking about this morning, okay? <laughs> and uh, the, reason we're, the reason I chose to start this way is because we're not going to tiptoe around talking about money today because um, it is an important thing in our lives, and the Bible has a lot to say about the role that money has in our lives and the place that it has in our hearts. So um, give these two boys a hand uh, for helping me out this morning. Thanks, you guys. you. So Christian stewardship, when we talk about money, when we talk about giving, when we talk about giving to the church, it's not some spiritual and sneaky way to boost the church budget, okay? That's, that's not what it's about. That's not what we're talking about today because what the Bible says about money focuses on so much more than paying for the building, the ministries, or the salaries of the church. It focuses on the state of our hearts. It focuses on the state of our hearts and our love for God. And I think sometimes it's really difficult in churches, some some places and some pastors really don't like talking about these things because it can be a little awkward maybe sometimes and they feel like um, it's not really their place to tell other people how to use their money. But at Marion Methodist we're far more concerned with the state of your hearts than we are the church budget. And it's not us telling you, it is the words of the scriptures and there is so much in here. So we are much more concerned about your hearts than we are the church budget, okay? I want to make sure you hear that before we kind of dig into this. Because there are two mentalities that we're gonna talk about throughout our time today that are kind of clashing The the mentality about money in the world is a mentality of scarcity, is a mentality of scarcity. But the the mentality about money that exists in the scriptures that God teaches us is a mentality of abundance. And so these two things, as you would imagine, clash. And so I'm going to say a sentence over and over this morning. And I hope that by the end of the time, it means something a little bit more or something different to you than it did um, the first time you hear it and that's, that that statement is giving from god's abundance Breaks the power of scarcity giving from god's abundance breaks the power of scarcity So when we look in when we look at how the world looks at money And when when we look at uh, this mentality of scarcity, this is kind of what I mean A mentality of scarcity says that the money and the valuable resources in the world are good things But they are scarce that they are hard to find. And if you do get them, if you're able to acquire them, they're difficult to keep. And so we must spend our energy preserving and defending and protecting those things for ourselves. Darwinism and capitalism are two main ideas that have shaped the last century that are founded on this idea. And the, because you'll probably have heard the survival of the fittest anybody heard that that's that 's what those two um, that 's what those two thought processes are founded on, and the mechanics of scarcity are this: the fittest survive at the expense of the weakest by best monopolizing the resources they are competing for now I know that 's kind of a mouthful, but what it 's essentially saying is just like a, um, when Charles Darwin talked about. Um, evolution. He's the scientist that talk about, talked about evolution. He's saying that creatures um, and animals are all competing for limited supply of food and water. And so those that are the strongest and those that adapt the best to their environment will survive at the expense of those who don't, who aren't strong, who are weak, and who don't adapt as well to the climate And or whatever situation they're in It's the same thing in capitalism In business That they say that the strongest businesses survive At the expense of the weakest So those who The businesses that do the best job At monopolizing the uh, market share that they're after The best The ones that most um, adequately adapt to the situation that they're in, those those will survive and the weak ones won't. So this is that mentality. But in our own lives and in our own hearts, that same mentality of scarcity can creep in and express itself in a lot of different ways. And as I go through this list, I don't think you'll be surprised. But a mentality of scarcity manifests itself in a lot of different ways. It manifests itself by, uh, by causing us to constantly worry if we have enough. Do I have enough money? Do I have enough money? Do I have enough money? And while all the, all, the, all the same time struggling more and more to get more and more and more, but that worry doesn't go away. Um, the mentality of scarcity is driven by selfishness where we look at money as, as something that whatever is out there is mine for the taking. So I just have to get whatever I can at the expense of whoever, whoever else um, is at the table here. And it leads to the belief that what you have Everything that you have is yours to claim. That nobody else could ever ask me to give up what is mine and what, is, what I have earned and own on my own effort. And then lastly, and this is probably the most dangerous one, a mentality of scarcity leads to the belief that others are not my responsibility. That if survival of the fittest is true, then I just gotta care, I just gotta care about me. I just gotta worry about me. And it doesn't matter what happens to other people. So these are the things that are um, exemplified by a mentality of scarcity. And, in, and Jesus, in Luke chapter 12, um, gives us a parable. And he talks about a rich man who had a big harvest. So this is a wealthy man, a rich man already, but he gets this big harvest. And he says to himself, how in the world am I going to figure out how to keep all this all this grain for myself. I've got no place to store it. I'm gonna have to tear down my barns, build bigger ones, so that I can have all this grain, so I can store it up, and so then I can finally rest and say, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna eat, drink, and be merry. I've got everything that I need, finally. Well, God enters the parable and says, you fool, you do not realize that this very night, your life is going to be demanded of you, and everything that you've spent your life on is worth nothing. And Jesus said, life, in, this, in regards to this parable, he says, life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. So the danger here, of course, is that you can spend your entire life trying to accumulate things that don't matter. And as the old saying goes, you can't take it with you, right? We spend our life on amassing all these different things. But giving from God's abundance breaks the power of scarcity. Giving from God's abundance breaks the power of scarcity. Over and over through the scriptures, while the world is saying, while, while this mentality of scarcity is going on in our minds, God, throughout the scriptures, continually demonstrates his abundance. When we look at the people of Israel, after they've been freed from being slaves in Egypt, and they come out of the wilderness, Mo- Mo- Moses leads them out into the wilderness, into the desert, even though... There are, it's very scarce resources What does God do? He provides bread from heaven Manna So every morning they wake up And there's bread on the ground They can just go out and gather it And, and in the evening the quails A whole flock of quail fly in And they can, they can kill them and eat them And they have everything that they need But the interesting part of this story We don't really talk about this part so much But the Israelites still were operating Under this mentality of scarcity like, I, I, there's not enough, there's not enough. And what they do, even though God told them every morning and every evening, I'm going to do this for you. You do not need to worry. What, what do they do? They, they try to keep a bunch of bread left over for themselves. Keep a bunch of meat left over for themselves and they tuck it away because they don't trust that God's gonna give them what they need. And what, they, what happens the next morning? They wake up and it's all full of maggots. It's all rotted immediately because they weren't trusting in God's abundance, and in the life of Jesus in His ministry, we see when He's calling His disciples, going out and into the fishermen's boats, and uh, they're not catching anything. And He says, "Well, put your nets in one more time, put them on this side of the boat." And they're like, oh, "Okay." And what happens, right? The the nets and the boats are so filled with fish they can barely stay afloat. And then the most obvious one, I think, most obvious story from scripture is when Jesus feeds the 5,000, when he's got a crowd of 5,000 people sitting on this hillside and the only thing that his disciples can come up with to feed them is five loaves and two fish. What looks like a very meager meal for 5,000 people, an impossible thing to try to distribute, Jesus feeds and multiplies these five loaves and two fish to feed over 5,000 people has 12 baskets of leftovers God is always he is constantly demonstrating his abundance because giving from God's abundance giving from God's abundance breaks the power of scarcity now you might be sitting there and you're asking well if God is so abundant maybe some of you are asking why do I struggle Okay, maybe why is, it, why is it hard for me to make a living if God is so abundant? Or you might be looking at the rest of the world and saying, if God is so abundant, why is there so much poverty? Why is there so much scarcity in our world? Let me give you a clue. It's not God's fault that there's poverty, that there's scarcity. We don't have to look any further than our own selves to determine the source of scarcity in the world. There is more than enough resources in the world to, to accommodate and supply every single person on this planet. I know that there's a bunch of studies that might say otherwise, but there are, is enough resources on this planet to supply every single person that lives on it and every single person that will. The problem, of course, is distribution. How is that wealth spread out? Randy Alcorn and Richard Stearns are... Um, a couple of Christian authors And they, they also have founded and run nonprofits. And And one of the things that they've studied Is how um, people in different countries And different places um, What the earning scale And how things are spread out that way So they've studied this distribution of wealth And here are some things that I'm going to share um, Some findings from their studies So the first one is If you made $1,500 last year If you made $1,500 last year Which I would imagine is just about everybody in this room You're in the top 20% Of the world's income earners If you made $1,500 You're in the top 20% Of the world's income earners Second, if you have any money saved Doesn't matter how much, any money saved at all If you have a hobby that requires uh, Equipment or supplies How many of you got? I mean we've got hobbies right If you have a variety of clothes in your closet, two cars in any condition, doesn't matter how crappy they are, and if you live in your own home, you are in the top 5% of the world's wealthy. And lastly, if you make over $50,000 annually, you are in the top 1% of the world's income earners. So I hope that, I mean, I'm not trying to do a guilt trip here. I'm not trying to say that because you have much, you should feel terrible if, if some of these categories apply to you. But what I'm saying is, notice how the distribution is so completely spread out. If somebody we, could, we, we consider middle class is in the top 1% of the world's earners. What my intent is in, in telling you this, um, Paul actually expresses in a letter to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 13, this is, what I'm tr- this is why I'm trying to bring this to you. My desire is not that others, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little Did not have too little I'm not trying to make you feel guilty For what you have But understand that the world's World's resources The world's wealth Is so unequally distributed When we talk about this in scriptures The goal is equality So that those who gathered much Do not have too much And those who gathered little Do not have too little Right That's, that's our goal Dietrich Bonhoeffer who's a church leader And pastor And theologian Around the time of of world war ii who actually stayed in nazi germany to to fight the um to oppose the nazi regime in germany and actually was killed um, by the nazis at at the very end of the war he has this great quote about about what this is talking about so long as we eat our bread together we shall have sufficient even with the least Not until one person desires to keep his own bread for himself does hunger ensue. So long as we eat our bread together. Doesn't matter how little we have. Doesn't matter. So long as we eat our bread together, there will be sufficient even in the least. Not until that one person, we are the source of scarcity. Not until the one person chooses to keep his bread for himself does hunger ensue. Giving from God's abundance breaks the power of scarcity. Giving from God's abundance breaks the power of scarcity. Now, you, now I know, <clears throat> I know that we have a lot of questions of, okay, well, how does this actually work? So we look in the, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 26, the first 15 verses, they describe the process of, of the Israelite people, that the Israelite people would go to to bring their offerings to the priests and to the tabernacle, the the, the tent where um, where God's presence dwelt among them while they were traveling through the wilderness in the first part of their time in the promised land. And the process is is pretty simple. What would happen is the Israelite people would bring the first fruits of their harvest, and what that just means is like the first the first batch of crops or whatever, they they would bring the first fruits to the tabernacle, the first that the land produced. They would acknowledge before the the priest whose gifts they were. And what that means is when, when the Israelites would come in, they'd say, I acknowledge that these are God's gifts to me from the land that God gave to me. It's recognizing whose gifts they are, not claiming them as their own. Third, they gave testimony to what God had done in their life. When they, present, when they brought their gifts to the priest, they said, Okay, these are the first fruits from my field. I acknowledge that these are God's things and not mine, from the land that God gave me. And then they said, And this is what God has done for me in my life. And they would go through their whole history of saying, God, we were wandering people and God brought us out of the land of Egypt from being slaves and gave, supplied us in the wilderness and gave us this land. They gave testimony to what God had done in their life. And then lastly, they testified to what the gifts were being used for. And they said, these gifts will be used to supply the Levites who were the priests. So this this would help sustain the priests in their living, and it would also be distributed among the, the vulnerable, the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. It literally says that in that scripture. And if, the, if some of you were here, the last time I spoke and we talked about justice, those categories should sound familiar to you, right? Those things, yeah, Those things were being distributed to those vulnerable people groups. So when we look at this scripture, we can begin to see how, what it means to embody the mechanics of, of a mentality of abundance. So this, this scripture gives us an insight of how, how do I start to operate out of a mentality of abundance instead of scarcity? The first thing is you give from your heart, not out of your surplus. You give from your heart, not out of whatever's extra. And when the, because when the people, this is a primarily like, agriculture society and living in Iowa we can i mean even though all of us aren't farmers we can kind of at least understand this right so when the harvest was was being taken the farmers didn't know exactly what they were going to make for the year until the whole harvest came in but when they brought their offerings they brought their first fruits before they knew what what they were going to make for the year and that's important because If if they had gathered up the whole harvest and then paid all their bills, supplied everything that they needed, and then gave to God out of the surplus, that's not representative of their hearts. That's not what extra. So when they brought their first fruits, they had to decide before they knew what they were gonna make, what gifts they were giving that represented them, their hearts, and their love for God. And that's important because giving in this way Pastor Mike says this all the time. We want to give gifts that represent us. We want to we give gifts that represent our whole life on that altar. But we need, when we give this way, we give to the point where it changes our life. When we, when we make those decisions from our heart and not out of our extra, well, that's going to change the decisions that I make from here on out, right? If I give X amount of dollars away and I have to live on the rest, that's going to change the decisions that I make. Whereas if I gave out of my surplus That doesn't impact my living at all It's just what I have extra Whatever I have left After I've done everything else I wanted to do Now I grew up in uh, My parents are both teachers And I grew up going to church we grew, uh, I grew up in the Lutheran church So we'd go every, every Sunday And I'd sit with my parents And one of my favorite things to do when I, Especially when I was a younger kid Is when the offering time came around um, My dad would take the, the church check out of his pocket, and it would be in an envelope, and uh, he 'd give it to me or my sister, depending on who 's sitting closest to him and uh, we'd get to put it in the in the offering plates and I always liked that being a kid, it was nice, like big, heavy offering plates like wooden things, and it made me feel important like I was doing something cool. Um, but one day, uh, when I was about eleven or twelve, um, there must have been a lot of things going on that weekend, and my dad hadn 't already written the check and put it in the envelope so when the offering was starting He got out the checkbook And started writing Writing the check to the church And I happened to glance over And see the number And I was like Dad? Are you kidding me? Because I, I, about 11, 11 or 12 I had some kind of concept Of what money was And I knew that um, It didn't seem like we made that much But then when I saw those numbers And I did the little math in my head For the Whoa this is every week Like I was like Holy crap Dad? what are you doing? That's a lot of money. And I remember asking him on the way home, like, what, why do we give that much away? And I remember what he told me. He he said that um, we gave this, we chose to give this money because this is what is most important to us. And we believe that God has called us to give this money to the church. And and sacrifice certain things in our life in order to give this much. And I remember after after that point, like first of all, I never lacked anything growing up. Like my parents absolutely supplied everything that I needed. Um, so I don't want to sound um, I don't want to sound something like I'm not because. Um, but when, when I did, when it changed my perspective. Because when we were doing sports, and every, every sport that you're in, like you can buy the pants and the sweatshirt and the hat and the t-shirt and probably the iPhone cover, like all kinds of stuff. And I just remember my parents said, well, you can choose one of those things. You can choose one of those things, and we'll get that for you. But I couldn't have it all like the rest of my friends. And I remember that, you know, well, we didn't go out to eat as much, and I didn't get to have, you know, certain things that I wanted um, because... And I, I got kind of upset with my mom because, like, I was growing and I was a football player and I needed food, right? And there were certain things that we, like, we just didn't get. Um, but the, I remember from that point on, once I saw that church check, it changed the way I looked at those little sacrifices. It changed the way, because I knew my parents could give me all those things. I knew that they could supply all those things for me, but they chose to give to the church Instead and so those little sacrifices Weren't things that I resented But I knew that had a purpose And so the reason I tell you that The, sp- the reason I spent all that time Is because if you are here with your families Doesn't matter what age your kids are um, If they're grown or if they're still in your house I really encourage you to share your decisions About what you're giving with your children And they may not know uh, if, you, if, you don't, if you give them the numbers they may not, That may not help them But understanding the choices that you make in order to give what you give, that will make a huge impact. So I got to get back on track now. Um, okay, so the second part of this mentality of abundance, the things that this scripture tells us do, it, if we give out of a mentality of abundance, we recognize that they're God's gifts and they aren't ours. They recognize that what we have is given to us by God and it's not ours to claim. Because a mentality of scarcity says that everything out there is yours for the taking, but what a mentality of abundance says is everything out there is God's for the giving, okay? So how you got to where you're at is so um, radically different than what we might think because I've said this before, God chose where where and at what time in history and to who you were born and gave you your God-given abilities. So when you really think about it, how much of what we have, where we are, how we've been positioned, how much of that is really ours to claim? I know there's personal responsibility involved, but if we really think about it, how much of what we have is really ours to claim? God has given to you out of his abundance. These things were never yours to begin with. They're never ours to begin with. Third, we need to, out of a mentality of abundance, we need to testify what God has done for us. Now, it wasn't all that long ago, but we used to do these offering videos that we'd play before we took offerings at the church. And I know I'm looking around the room and I see a lot of faces that did videos like that. Um, And I remember when we were shooting those, it was just such a privilege to hear the reasons that you give to the church and the reasons and the things that God has done in your life that have called you and that have led you to choose to give to the church. And so giving should always be a way of sharing our thankfulness, but also sharing our faith with others. It's a way of demonstrating what we believe and sharing our our faith and our testimony with others. Fourth, when we operate out of this mentality of abundance, we, we give to counteract scarcity. We give to do justice We give to break the power of that scarcity That unequal distribution Of the world's resources We give to support the church and the, and the ministry of God And we give to support and do justice For the vulnerable people groups of our time So if we're giving out of a mentality of abundance We also need to give out of that purpose Because giving from God's abundance Breaks the power of scarcity In Matthew 6 Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. You probably may have heard that before. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And what that simply means is it's really easy to give money, to spend money on things that we love, right? Um, my wife isn't here today, but she, uh, it's really easy for, for Laura to, to buy Hanson tickets. Um, <laughs> It's like it's that boy band from the 90s that mm 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 Everybody's had that stuck in their head for at least a little while So um, it's really easy We still go to those But um, it's really easy for her to spend money on tickets for that And it's really easy for me Since I love her to spend money on tickets for that And go with her, right? And you know the Hawkeyes That's that's pretty easy for me to spend money on too, right? Because we love them We love those things But what this passage is saying is If we look at the things that we do spend our money on, that also, it works in reverse. So where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Well, where where our heart is, that's indicated by where our treasure is. Okay, so if we look at our bank statements, if we look at our checkbooks, what does that say about the, the status of our hearts? So the encouragement of this passage is, don't give your hearts to something that's going to fade away, that's not going to matter in the end, anyway, you can 't take these things with you spend your, give your heart to eternal things, give your heart to God, give your heart to Jesus and entrust your life to him fully. Your treasure will follow okay that 's what the heart of this passage is saying and in our um, and in our passage for today when we in Malachi chapter three. This is something, there's an interesting test. There's an interesting passage in the middle of it where God actually invites us to test his abundance. God invites us to test his abundance with our generosity. He says, bring the whole tithe, bring your whole offering into the storehouse and see if I don't, in my abundance, cause your fields to overflow with grain. Now there's something that this doesn't mean and then there's something that this means. What this, doesn't, what this passage doesn't mean is, well, if I give a little bit, then God is gonna bless me and make me rich, right? It's not a get rich quick strategy. It's not, well, I'll give a little in order to receive a lot. The purpose of what, he, of what this passage is saying, he's saying, test me in my abundance. Test me in your generosity and see that I do not provide everything that you need so that You can be generous in every instance. Because that's the purpose. The Bible says those who sow generously reap generously. And it's not for the purpose of their own edification. It's for the purpose of being able to be generous in every account. So test God. Test Him in your generosity. The Bible is calling you to. So our our Stewardship Finance Committee, um, which is... Uh, made up of a number of congregation members and we talk a lot about what it means to give to the church What it means to be good stewards of our resources um, We'll we'll continue to be talking about this as we continue in a journey as being a church together We're going to continue to talk about these things. It's not a one-and-done thing But I did want to get a little practical this morning and give you five steps Yep, yeah, five steps for faithful living and faithful giving So the first one is give your first fruits Give gifts that represent you Not out of the surplus But out of your hearts Out of the out of the status Out of the in, in, inclination Out of the love of your hearts Give your first fruits Second Recognize the source of your gifts Recognize that these things Are God's gifts given to you And that you don't have a claim on them Yourself This isn't something That we have Exclusive claim to Third Counteract scarcity With your giving Do justice with your giving help to break that power of unequal distribution in our world we should be we should be thinking of others because a mentality of abundance looks at others as a mutual responsibility for us to take care of fourth give sacrificially give sacrificially and test the abundance of god Give to the point where it changes your life and and just watch how God's abundance continues to sustain you and give you the opportunity to be generous in every instance. And lastly, give joyfully. Give joyfully out of the abundance of your heart. Give your heart to Jesus and your treasure will follow. Because giving from God's abundance, giving from God's Abundance breaks the power of scarcity Now in a few moments we're going to head to communion But I want you to be holding these things I want you to be holding these things in your mind Because this mentality of scarcity and abundance That extends to our own spirituality That extends to our own life in Christ Because Christ though he was rich Though he was rich in righteousness, though he had everything, he became poor. He became stripped of everything, all of his glory, so that we could experience his riches and be rich in Christ. Let us pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that you give us everything that we need. And out of your abundance, you have blessed us. So Lord, we pray that if we need to be challenged, that your spirit would invade our hearts and challenge us in the way that we look at our resources. And if we need to be transformed, Lord, we pray that you would move in our hearts and transform our hearts so that we might fall deeper and deeper in love with you. And Lord, we look to your son who has given everything for us that we might be rich to you. All this we
0: ask in your precious name. Amen.